I'm Christine Dolan, and I'm a journalist, and I know a lot of people know Mike Lindell because of some of the issues having to do with elections, but I know him in a different way. Last year, in the middle of the 2020 election, my back was killing me because I'm teleworking. So a friend of mine sent me a pillow that Mike Lindell manufactured, and it helped me to sit on a chair doing interviews, too many interviews during the day because we're all working offsite. And then this year, because we're working off-site and we, we all want to be comfortable. I tried Mike Lindell's slippers. Now, I'm a big one on slippers because I like comfort. I have worn moccasin slippers all my life. And when I tried Mike Lindell's slippers, I couldn't believe this because it really does have four layers of cushions. It's like having very loose tennis shoes on. And it's easy because you really do wear them all night long if you're working like me from the early hours of the morning to the late hours at night. So I highly recommend Mike Lindell's slippers and his pillows if you've got a back problem and you're sitting down. Now, how you get the discount for this is very simple. It's on our site. CDM is the promo code for it. Promo code CDM is what we're asking you to do. And now let's get to our guests. So tonight, this is the premiere for the global conversation about what is happening within the COVID arena worldwide. Uh, tonight, we're honored to have Dr. Duncan Syme, who is from Australia. And as everybody knows, we have covered on our CDM media network worldwide what has gone on in the COVID arena in the United States. But now we're taking this to a global conversation because what is happening in America is happening overseas in other countries. And one of my favorite countries in the world happens to be Australia. I have some very, very dear friends in Australia. And uh, Duncan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christine. Duncan, for context, uh, you've been a doctor for 34 years. You've been a specialist in certain areas. But I want you to tell your story so the global public knows, you know, your background medically first before we get into what happened, in, what is happening and has happened to you in Australia as a physician. All right. Uh, thank you, Christine. Well, uh, I graduated from Monash University uh, in 1987. I worked in uh, you know, Australian hospitals uh, for, for several years before going to the UK and working over there for about six years. Eventually, uh, I uh, became a general practitioner. I've had a fairly varied career uh, in, that, in, in my 34 years, um, 26, as a general, 26 as a general practitioner. Within that uh, realm, I've uh, yeah, had a, very, a variety of interests, you know, including uh, drug and alcohol uh, medicine, um, travel medicine, uh, aged care. Uh, and of recent times, I've been working in a program known as Hospital in the Home in one of the large public hospitals uh, within Melbourne. Uh, that's whereby you're looking at, after patients uh, providing hospital-grade care in, in their own home. Uh, and in that, uh, in that remit, I've had a particular interest in chronic uh, or in uh, complex wound management. Uh, as such, I've uh, ended up doing a, a 
or commencing a randomised controlled trial uh, in in looking at a new wound therapy device to, to see if we could heal some of these complex wounds, you know, better and faster, etc. So I had to go through the process of you know putting in ethics committee um, you know applications, etc. And we just started that when COVID hit. Uh, so this is sort of a, a, my my medical career. Um, I've always had a great interest in many aspects of, of medicine and medicine one. I have a general philosophy in my approach to medicine that, uh, aiming for the, the best health in, in the least invasive way. So that's actually looking at trying to make the patient healthier. And that's certainly one of the particular areas that I'd uh, viewed at with wound management was that uh, you had to look at improving the overall health of a, a patient to get wound healing, to get new cells growing, to, you know, to, to fight infections, etc. So it wasn't the case of just providing um, pharmaceutical medications um, to, to to manage things, it was about actually trying to improve the overall health of the patient. And that, to me, always came down to sort of you know, essentially you know, basic common sense things like, you know, getting enough sleep, having good nutrition, wholesome nutrition, uh, you know, correcting any um, you know, nutritional deficiencies, uh, you know, promoting a, you know, moderate levels of exercise, uh, wellness. You're talking wellness. Yeah. Basically. So you, you needed that to 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 this really start uh, start uh, healing. Um, so that was that's I suppose my general philosophy. So um, when COVID hit, uh, or when the uh, the early part. Um, I was was intrigued just because I'm generally a curious about everything that's going on in the world, and it just seemed uh, that uh, the initial approach was very bizarre. Yeah. Um, so were uh, you were you struck, Duncan, by the the draconian shutdowns in the different provinces? Uh, yes, I mean, I suppose the the very initial stage where nobody was quite sure what was going on. And I suppose I actually thought, oh, well, could this be some form of, um, uh, you know, biological weapon? Because uh, it's, it suddenly uh, suddenly appeared and then there was what appeared to be a rather panicked response. And I thought, well, this is, well, this is just, it just seemed a little strange. Maybe the authorities know something more than, than we do. Um, so shutting the borders, you know, didn't seem, I suppose, that uh, that that strange because I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, the the next the next steps started to think. Well, this is this is this is very strange. This sounds like medieval type uh, um, management, you know, that they had in the plague. Um, but you know, you go well. Listen, that's yeah. Perhaps they know, again, perhaps they know more than me. Uh, but fairly early on, I, I uh, as in, due to my curiosity, I listened to um, Professor Michael uh, Levick. And he did an right. interview. And uh, and he was 
he was explain to explain to our audience who Michael is because many people don't know. Yeah, so he's a Nobel Prize winning um, uh, sort of I think computational biologist. So he's a yeah uh, a very a very smart man with with numbers and um, and how they relate to the, the biological world. So he, I think, I gather he'd been asked by a friend to have a look at the, I think it was the Diamond Princess that was the the, the cruise ship that was parked in Yokohama Bay, right? And, and he looked at the basically the the figures of deaths related to the number of people and sort of the age of the, the people, and and worked out that effectively it was the you know, the the mortality rate was similar to what you'd expect with probably a severe seasonal flu. Um, I hope I'm not uh, mis yeah, right. misrepresenting what he said, but that was that was the impression that I got. Right, and, and I think a lot of people did that. Did that. I, I talked to a number of people who were international physicians, scientists, medical researchers, and they they actually agree with that assessment. This was just a severe influenza type of crisis at the very beginning, and they disagreed with the WHO sense of this is a pandemic that's going to kill people. Yeah. And uh, it was sort of very, very clear that uh, from the, from, yeah, that assessment that, uh, that, I mean, that the population was, I think, uh, had a, you know, yeah, it was a very old, old group of people and it wasn't young people dying on that it was elderly 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 people uh so it sort of it automatically gave you an idea that this was a uh, the the disease process was very much targeted to you know uh, aged and vulnerable individuals um so from that moment forward i was going well you know there should be a proportionate response to this, and it didn't seem to. Everything that was happening in in uh, in Melbourne and I suppose around the world seemed quite disproportionate. Um, anyway, yeah, again, you sort of think, well, yeah, I'm you know just a small cog in a in a very large wheel, and yeah, I'm not you know, an expert in yeah virology or you know, microbiology or so well, but it did it, it just it stuck struck me as very very strange this response so what, it, ha what happened when, when you started treating your patients and you started taking a look at the vax is the only answer uh well this, i mean that's sort of the, the first year there was that the the vax was talked about mm -hmm. but there it wasn't, yeah. You know, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't available. But the, the it was a, a rather strange thing because, again, due to curiosity, I go, well, yeah. Uh, they've really not made any vaccines uh, that have been effective with respiratory viruses. So you then you start looking uh, at at the history of uh, vaccines for respiratory viruses and say, well, that really hasn't worked very well, and particularly for coronaviruses. You, you look a bit further and find, well, actually, you know, in the animal studies that uh, there's this thing called antibody-dependent enhancement syndrome. So, you right. know, the, the, so each step of the way, it just it, uh, it goes, well, I don't know that a vaccine is uh, going to be the, uh, well, yeah, 
by all means, look at look at look at vaccines and see if you can do it. But it certainly shouldn't be the only answer. The 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 goal should be, well, get 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 people healthier. I mean, this is, I thought this was a prime opportunity to to focus on health management. And this again came from my time in general practice, where yeah, as a doctor dealing with patients that would be coughing and spluttering you over your all day, most of the time, yeah after sort of an initial period where you, you know, when you first started to get a couple of colds, you tended to be uh, pretty resilient to most of the infections that people brought into you. And you certainly weren't wearing masks or doing social distancing or anything like that. But you, you found that when you got run down, that was when you were susceptible. So, mm -hmm. yeah. The, the, which, the which is normal, which is normal. Yeah. Uh, if your immune system is depleted, whether by stress, lack of sleep, lack of wellness, lack of nutrition, lack of exercise, your body is going to be susceptible to something that is running around, you know, and, and your immune system is broken or it's depleted, <clears throat> you're bound to get a cold. Yeah. Okay. So, so fast forward as yeah. a physician, Duncan, um, when you looked at this, at, did you have COVID-diseased patients coming to you? No. So certainly uh, I was in my area was not uh, going to be affected by COVID, uh, you know, COVID-affected patients. I mean, there may have been uh, people, I mean, Australia really wasn't, uh, heavily hit by COVID in the first 12 months because of the, mm -hmm. the island nature, the, the, the quarantine closures, etc. So it was not, uh, you know, there's, there was relatively very little little COVID. Yes, we had a, a, a sort of, I suppose, a, a, a mild outbreak. You had low numbers in Australia. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you did. And, and, and I think that some people, some of us in, in journalism, looked at it being sort of draconian shutdowns, you know, don't go out of your house for eight weeks unless you're going to the pharmacy, unless you're going to the grocery store. But you had low numbers. Yeah. But, and, and there was a point in time when your prime minister Morrison was demanding that the Chinese come clean, do a, you know, full investigation there was an incredible, and I thought, well, you know, thank God the Aussies are standing up because, you know, Fauci and the people in Washington were not demanding what they should have been demanding. I was hoping that world leaders would, in fact, rise up and say, okay, we have people saying that this is going to happen again, but we're not even discovering or working towards or investigating seriously how the hell this thing happened. And if you want to prevent it from not happening again, it seemed to me that, that all the world leaders should be saying, if it's coming from the wet markets, shut down wet markets globally, or have China come clean if it possibly is a lab leak. And then we found out, but later in the game, late in 2020, that there was a concerted effort by people attached to Fauci here in the United States to basically disclaim that it could have come from a lab leak in the, in the Wuhan laboratory, which seemed odd. I mean, the whole thing was upside down from a 
perspective from an analysis of how did this start? And if people who claim to know that this may happen again, why aren't we getting to the origin of it? That's what caught my attention. Uh, yeah, that was, again, that was, again, incredibly curious. Yeah, uh, and Morrison in your country, the prime minister, came forward, pushed, announced, we need to have the Chinese come clean. And then there was, a, and you guys are, you know, trading partners with China. Then there was a pushback against Morrison, and he basically shut down. I thought he was going to be not a saint in this, but I thought, you know, at least somebody is speaking up. But that's what really caught my attention early on in 2020. So as a doctor, Duncan, how did you get caught up in the, the COVID controversy as a doctor? Well, I suppose it started when, uh, I suppose the beginning started when I, uh, I mean, I'd seen the, uh, the Great Barrington Declaration, and I thought mm -hmm. that was a, a very... Again, of, explain to the audience, because they may not know that there were all these doctors who basically objected to everything. Explain what the Barrington yeah. Declaration was. So the Great Barrington Declaration was uh, put together by three eminent epidemiologists. I know uh, there was a great attempt to uh, miss... Uh, or mislead the public by saying that these were fringe epidemiologists, but they were, you know, from Oxford. Eminent. They were, you know, they were you know, top of the uh, top uh, of the top heap. Of the, yeah, and uh, they put forward an, uh, a very measured approach to the uh, to the, the 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 crisis that was going on, saying that essentially, you know, you needed to protect the vulnerable patients by, you know putting in measures to, you know, to protect them and keep them safe and do, do your best, but do not shut down the rest of society because ultimately that will lead to way more harm um, to everybody. And, yeah, ultimately that will impact, the, you know, the people as well. Uh, uh, so it was, a, it was just, it was sensible, common sense stuff. I mean, the stuff that I would have thought that, Everybody would have been bored, but uh, uh, they they were then you know, um, marginalised and uh, demonised by the media, uh, and it again it made no no logical sense to me. So I signed, signed the Barrett Declaration amongst um, like-minded um, and then there were. At stage, we were, we were various meetings in Melbourne, mm -hmm. and uh, I signed. There was a uh, group of dossiers who signed, uh, you know, um, an open letter. They were against the, the, you know, the severe lockdowns. That was way more harm than, than good, and weren't weren't proportionate to the, uh, right. the risk there. So that's, I suppose, my initial, you know, uh, going against the, the narrative uh, in a sort of a more open sense. Um, and I continued to support petitions and things that went against these, you know, draconians. Uh, 
Uh, and that was so that was that was most of 2020. And then obviously the vaccine, well, yeah, I don't call them vaccine. Uh, well, they're not really vaccines, and that's what people have to understand. They are not traditional vaccines. They are no. gene therapies. I don't care what what word you use, but they're not yeah. the traditional they're, vaccines. They're, yeah, they're not. They're, yeah, they're nothing like the uh, the vaccines that everybody's used to, and the I suppose associate the sort of the, the terminology. Uh, they, yeah, the, the the technology for gene therapy years but nobody had actually managed to work properly there are a whole range of problems again this was uh, you know when you started to look you became a bit curious you go my goodness me what uh, you know you know why why are they you know why are they doing this why are they pushing uh, this uh, this technology so hard that you know, they haven't actually got to work I mean yeah anyway well, they're experimental. They're, they, they are, they're, they're human medical experiments on a global scale that we have never seen in the history of human kind. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, so when you decided to, as a, as a doctor, to give exemptions uh, to some people who came before you as patients, what happened to you as a doctor? So... I mean, uh, the the end result was that I I I got suspended. Mm -hmm. uh, the 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 specific case I'd uh, had a, a young couple who uh, had seen their father uh, have a severe reaction to the Pfizer vaccine, and ultimately ended I, up as, the Pfizer vaccine. Yeah, Pfizer vaccine. Mm -hmm. uh, the diagnosis of my uh, the the heart the, inflammation the heart inflammation um, which took a little time to work out because he was you know gaslighted by his own doctors and he that that particular for us where I stood in the in the guys the the uh, the genetic therapy debate. Um, but had a son and uh, a daughter, a young couple who were you know, about to start a family, quite well informed about uh, this uh, medical therapy. Um, and after they'd seen, seen um, uh, a close relative have a reaction that they didn't want it, and they, they had made the assessment that uh, the survival uh, they got it was you know well over ninety nine point you know nine 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 percent their age and general health. They felt the risks of unknown were far far greater. And having had my background the last yeah well uh, particularly the last two years in having to do fixed proposals and I saw low risk ethics can I thought what was happening the meeting of this right uh, broke every ethical code that I'd you know ever understood and certainly you know the ones that I you know, needed to understand you know understand for doing my own uh, well 
And uh, I, I suppose I, you know, when people asked me, I couldn't not refuse them because essentially they didn't consent to having, having this medical experiment forced upon them. Uh, so, I knew they were, that, they, so they were in fear as a young couple starting a family that there may be some implications on fertility. Is that yes? Okay. That was that was certainly a major concern. Uh, they'd had they'd had one child and uh, one another. Um, they're also concerned about the long term implications, the and, and the medium terms and uh, of of the. Um, of the uh, injection. Um, so you wrote them an, an, an exemption, correct? I wrote them. I wrote them a, a, a letter of exemption, a letter of support. Uh, now, at that time, the uh, the, the, the there's a uh, um, uh, an expert panel called a TAGI, which was uh, involved in saying. Uh, there is only a very small number of reasons you can give an exemption, mm-hmm. and those were, you know, extremely limited. You, know, you did you uh, did, in Australia? Did you did you have religious, philosophical, or medical exemptions on the table to write an exemption as a doctor? Uh, there was no religious exemption. Uh, is there no religious exemption in Australia for vaccination? No. No. There's no religious exemptions in Australia. Not not as I understand it, no. Okay. I've never uh yeah. Um there is medical exemption, so acute medical illness. Uh and then uh after that there's a very sort of rare uh um exemption. So you know uh, so what yes, was your so, so what was your exemption for that particular couple? So I, I, uh, I had written a letter. So, uh, it wasn't on, on the sort of the standard uh, exemption guidelines. So there's a form over here where you uh, can put in for, um, uh, it's a sort of a government form where you can put in for acute medical illness. She, no, these, yeah, this young couple didn't fit that criteria. Uh, uh, but I said I would write as a, in my professional opinion, uh, I mm-hmm. believe that they, uh, you know, 34 years of you know, medical experience that the, um, the, the reasons uh, that they were concerned about were, you know, were quite reasonable to not have uh, the vaccination, you know, or injection. So you, you don't, if you're in a medical experiment, uh, which was, you know, touted by our own uh, health minister. This is the greatest medical experiment in the world. You don't need a reason to not be in it. You know, just the fact you don't want to be in it. Well, one would think one would think that, Duncan, because most people don't understand that there is an overreach here by government officials who are in bed with pharma to yep. promote vax is the only answer. Uh, and people are not given a second choice. I mean, you know, I grew up in a generation where if if a doctor recommended having <clears throat> some replacement or some, having some operation, we were allowed to go to a second opinion. Yeah. We were allowed to go to a third opinion. 
and that's what struck me that there's there's no freedom to decide whether or not you want to take it. And yeah. it's up to the individual in, in my world to take the risk. If you don't want to take a vaccination, if you don't want to take a pill, if you don't want to take an operation, that's a personal choice. Absolutely. And that's all, you know, whatever medical uh, treatment should always be a personal choice. And that was, that's actually written into um, our constitution. Um, yeah. You can't be forced into any form of medical treatment. And, and the government, again, can't conscript doctors into uh, into having, you know, in, into you know, forcing their view onto the doctor-patient relationship. However, right. they've managed to subvert that by uh, a variety of, uh, you know, I suppose this, this um, uh, political means, you know, by doing it by proxy, you know, there's... Uh, Australia, like America's, you know, they've got a, a federal domain and a state domain, and they've the federal domain has uh, basically, you know, by proxy transferred uh, a lot of the decision making to the states, who can mm -hmm. uh, bypass the things that have been written into our constitution. So, so when you did, when you took that action to protect. Yep the patient relationship you had with them as a, as their doctor, what yeah. happened to you? So, I mean, there's a sort of a, a time process. So this young couple, you attempted to use my exemption for their employer. Uh, they, that didn't work. Then the employer said, well, it's, it's not on the right form, etc." At that point, I, um, was this was right at the beginning of the mandates? I uh, said, "Well, listen, you don't actually fit the the criteria on the form, but I was I was happy to provide a letter saying, you know, with in my opinion, this was a reasonable thing uh, that they had decided." This young couple actually then decided to use the letter that I'd written to go to a family wedding, uh, which was, I think. Uh, Due in November, I'd written the. the what year are we talking September. about at this point? What, what, what this, is, this is 2021. 2021, okay. September 2021, I wrote the uh, the, the letters. Um, and then uh, later in. Repeat that because you just broke up on the audio. Right. November. Um, I received a letter from what is known as the healthcare commission. Somebody had uh, written. So some somebody outed you, as they say. Duncan, I want you to drop out. I want you to come back. We'll edit this show. So I'm going to end this broadcast and send you another one. Or why don't you drop out and come back? All right. Okay. Well, here we go. It's okay. We'll edit that. All right. So when you when you wrote that uh, letter for them and they went to, in this couple went to the event, what happened? Well, the, uh, well, they didn't actually go to the event. They didn't actually go to the event. They they the uh, the manager of the event place 
wanted the letters, you know, wanted uh, exemption letters or vaccination status of the patients. Oh, my God. These are the people that are hosting. This is the event location guy? Yeah. Okay. And then what happened? So uh, the the event manager owner didn't like what I'd written, so they sent off the complaint. The complaint then uh, went to, uh, you know, one... Uh, organization which then went to uh, then forwarded on to our regular health professional regulatory body a group known known as APRA so 1984 yeah this right out of the Orwellian book I mean this is unbelievable so so you wrote it for this couple they're attending an event for a wedding for the family they have to present their documentation and somebody at the event, the owner of the event, then decides that they're going to pass it on to the government? Yeah. Am I getting this right? Yeah. So as a result of that, they reported you as a physician whose signature is on the document to what would we would call in the United States the medical boards, who then yep. come after you. <clears throat> Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, this is this is you know, people need to get their heads out of cement globally. They yep. really do. Uh, so, an events manager who p- probably has no background in medicine, has never treated a patient, has no medical degree, has no, uh, I mean, nothing to do with public policy, health policy decides to report you who has 34 years in the medical arena to the medical board. Am I getting this right? Uh, effectively, yes. Yep. That's... And then what happened, Duncan? So the medical board, said, uh, well, the, the group called APRA, which sort of work in conjunction with the medical boards, uh, then said, you know, let's have your explanation. And I gave them my explanation saying that I've done nothing wrong. I've supported my patients who were had significant psychological distress at the, the, the prospect of being forced into taking a, a medical therapy, which they thought may well do them uh, some form of harm. Um, mm. uh, and, yeah, I've, yeah, I've followed all my ethical codes. Uh, and so that's, that was my response. Uh, they said, well, this is a very serious matter. And I mean, I contacted, uh, I mean, like doctors in, you know, all around the world have medical defense organizations. Uh, I contacted them saying, this is, this is what's happened. The medical defense organization basically told me, well, you know, you're not going to get your license back unless you, unless you, unless you go down and uh, do a mea culpa, basically say, I've, you know, didn't know what I was doing. I was very wrong to have done it, etc. And I said, "Well, listen, that's which would have would, which would have nuked your credibility as a doctor." Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I just said, "Well, listen, that's not going to going to happen. I'm not. You know, I've done nothing nothing wrong other than be supportive of my patients, and I think their their decision was perfectly reasonable." Uh, and uh, they then got back to me after a sort of a consultation. Um, within an hour and said they'd spoken to their under insurance underwriter and they said, uh, we're not going to support you in fighting this battle. Um, because this is the system. The system is, is intimidating them to support yep. you as a doctor. 
Yes. Well, yeah. Uh, I, 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 it, that's certainly how it seems to be. Um, yes. I don't know their, their specific reasons. Maybe it was a financial thing, but, uh, yeah, it's certainly they're, they're not prepared to fight for... Um, uh, well, they're afraid to go up against Goliath. I mean, let's just face it. If the government's going along with something like this and governments all over the world are going along with this for whatever reason. Um, but yeah. it's also, I mean, here in the United States, we, we, we've had great discussions about how the pharma industry has captured the FDA, the NIH, the NIAID, that Fauci heads, the CDC, uh, and, and hence this push for vaccinations okay we know here in the united states and this is a fact i mean this is this this is documents that we have from the biden administration from joe biden in 2002 before he was ever vice president of the united states going along with these vax is the only answer strategy we have yeah. during his presidency uh, people that were part of his administration, and some still are, pushing for universal vaccines for all coronavirus-related in every family of the coronaviruses. I mean, I mean yeah. this this is this is creating a market economically for a reoccurring profit for people that are in the vaccination manufacturing world. I mean, it's it's well, clear. It may not clear to all the global citizens that may be watching this, but at the same time, that's the game in play. That's the chessboard. And that's what people don't understand. They're creating a market for universal vaccines for every coronavirus family worldwide. Yes. I, I, it's, it, it, yeah. Following the whole trajectory of everything, that uh, seems to be yeah, the, the game. That is, uh, yeah, that's the, sort of the end game. So what happened to you, Duncan, as a result of this complaint by somebody who has no medical degree to the board to where you are today? Yeah, uh, who didn't even know know the, 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 the patients that I, I've been dealing with all their circumstances or anything about them. So, uh, so... I was suspended in mid-February. Um, so I'm, once you're suspended, you lose all all rights. You're effectively sort of lobotomized from any medical, uh, you know, your experience. You're not allowed to, uh, you know, talk or discuss any sort of uh, provide any form of health health advice under the risk of. Uh, um, uh, I think they say that you're, you're impersonating a, uh, a health practitioner and you're at risk of um, uh, yeah, criminal prosecution. Wow. So you're, you're not allowed to um, uh, provide any, any form of medical advice. Um, I'm, I've been considering my options. Now, I'm working with a number of other doctors and uh suppose lawyers and legal advocates as to the the best option for me to regain my license because I certainly am not ready to retire yet I know a, a number of doctors who are sort of I suppose at the end of the careers who've made the decision to to retire because they didn't like this massive uh, imposition of government and and I suppose by uh, proxy big pharma sort of ruling 
uh, ruling their medical decisions, their interference in the doctor-patient relationship, which um, you know is, is effectively destroying medicine as I sort of understood it. Well, as uh, we understood it in our generation, I mean, this is this is totally insane. I mean, I mean, for government to dictate how people should be administered medicine when they need it, sane yeah. medicine when they need it, should not be over over um, overseen by bureaucrats with no medical degree or uh, having you know, somebody in the community to complain to a medical board where someone like you, Duncan, are in a position of vulnerability of losing their license. I mean, this is so upside down. And this uh, is happening. I just want to say this. This is happening in the United States. They have something in the United States that if a doctor who has given exemptions <clears throat> through the years gets reported to the medical boards, if the medical board so deems that that doctor should lose their license for these exemptions, everything retro, every exemption retroactively is denied. Is that the way it works in Australia as well? Uh, it's uh, as as far as I understand it, no. Though I I have heard uh, that that was being talked about um, in uh, in the New South Wales state. Um, so, but I'm I'm not aware of it specifically that they will then retroactively um, dismiss all previous exemptions by that doctor. But that was certainly being discussed um in in the one of our other sort of more pop the more most popular state in australia um uh and yes there's undoubtedly the, the uh the authorities have for certainly some of my other colleagues who have been um uh, suspended you know under the same rule under the same rules that i was suspended on uh the authorities have you know been aiming to try and get files uh of patients that have i presume had exemptions and uh, consider what they'll do. I mean, the exemptions here are very short-lived, so it's not, you, you know, they're only, they last for about four, maximum four months now. Um, and again, this is sort of the the, the, the insanity of the decision-making by this expert panel that uh, essentially are saying that, uh, you know, uh, natural immunity um, is, is, virtually worthless is you know you, you can only have immunity if you have the uh, the jab and it, it, it yeah, that goes against right. everything that i understood <laughs> about him well i mean that's what that's what fauci sold in the united states fauci was basically saying that you know if you have covid uh your antibodies from from having covid really don't exist to protect you in the long run which i i, yeah. I thought to myself you know i mean Either I'm losing my mind, or this guy is lying through his teeth. Yeah, so it doesn't uh, fly in the face. It doesn't crawl it doesn't off. Fly, jump. In the face of everything, you know, for the last thirty, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, hundreds, hundred, yeah, you know, or thousands of years. I mean, we all know that you generally, if you've had uh, an infection, you don't get that same infection again. Now, uh, and it, and if you do, it's in a very rare case. So let yeah. me ask you, Duncan, before we close out on this, how are you going to, I mean, how can we, you know, in the global community, 
support doctors like you worldwide? Um, well, listen, I've no doubt that I do have have support. There's definitely members of the community who are on board and who are supporting, whether it's you know by financial means or you know again. We've got a, a big election uh, coming up this Saturday. Mm -hmm. So supporting parties that are that are pro freedom and pro choice, and uh, what we understood sort of Western demo democracy stood for. Um, uh, there are a variety of organisations around that are uh, you know, various doctors and, and lawyers are, are using to fight against uh, you know these corrupt governments um, uh, and organisations. So uh, people need to look around and say, well, listen, you know, do I want to live in this, you know, this dystopian world that we seem to have now and heading you know, further down the track, or do we want to you know, fight for freedom? And, and this, you know, this is what I uh, you know, have come to uh, view, and I suppose I started to view this pretty early on, that this was not about health, this was about gaining control over uh, you know, uh, the population uh, and they've used this you know, um, manufactured crisis to, to do that. Uh, you know, it's basically been a case of disempowering um, both people and doctors um, and, and giving and, them... And nuking the doctor relationship, the doctor-patient relationship. Yeah, the trust, the trust that when you walk into a doctor's office, he or she are going to tell you the truth. We're going to give the the the, the best possible advice and uh, you know educate them as as best they can on the on their on their understanding, mm -hmm. um, and and that you know comes without having a third party sitting on their shoulder saying, well, if you don't follow the party line, we're going to we're going to destroy you and essentially that's what the the the, yeah. the government is saying um, mm -hmm. we will destroy you uh you know professionally you know financially um if you don't toe the line well we we saw that in canada uh when the truckers when we we had a camera crew that rolled with the truckers before they got into ottawa they got into ottawa they filmed for us we aired it all over the, our network uh, at, at worldwide. And then at the same time, um, you know, they shut down, they took over the bank accounts, you know, yeah. and we were talking to people and people, you know, they're, they're saying there's all this violence on the street when in fact it was really a party. It was a party for freedom, medical, autonomy, yeah. medical freedom. Um, you know, and then after five days when they decided to take over people's bank accounts, the banking industry, you know, went to Trudeau's government and basically said, this is a really bad idea because all those people along the highways going into Ottawa, on the overpasses going through the provinces are now taking their money out of, out of the um, bank, out of their bank accounts because they were mm -hmm. in fear that they were going to be the next in line. And that's when they stopped it. So, I mean, this draconian going after people's professions, going after their finances, going after their reputations. I mean, this is a real seize and a real sea change globally. Yes. That, that I think yep. everybody needs to wake up, get their heads out of cement and understand if you do not stand up now, you are next. 
because yeah. they have no intentions to give up on this. So I, I am most thankful for you coming on the show tonight, Duncan. And I want you to know that we are welcoming anybody, any other doctor in Australia that wants to come forward to hear their voices. And I mean that sincerely. We're going to create, we have been creating a space here uh, on our American conversations, now our global conversations for all vax injured, for all doctors who have stood up for the patient doctor relationship, for giving the good advice, helping people get through this crisis for the last two years, because we don't see this ending. I see this even going forward with, with, you know, it's like a, it's a train wreck with a train that is out of control unless people speak up. And, and people need to know that the same thing that's happened with doctors in the United States is happening to doctors, not, in, not just in Australia, but in yeah. other countries across the world. How can we help you? Yeah. Uh, well, again, it's, it's, it's about speaking up and, and going to the, the you know, supporting people who are speaking up um now that's uh, both in a i suppose a, a spiritual sense you know praying for them as well as you know potentially some financial support you know particularly if we need to launch uh, legal cases i mean this do you have a legal do you have a legal defense fund uh there are various groups that are supporting legal defense funds yes Okay, do you want to mention their names? Are you afraid to because maybe the government will go after those guys as well? Uh, listen, I won't mention those names okay. at the moment. So. That's fine. Um, That's fine. I just want to say if you want to. But, again, yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. So where um, I suppose there, there's one group called Health Alliance Australia. Um, mm -hmm. They've that's a, a group which is um, uh, looking to, to su support the freedom cause. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are various other, other groups. I mean, we're often having to do this in uh, slightly um, subterranean ways because of uh, concerns about, yeah, uh, uh, government and other um, Privacy. Because of privacy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but... It, yeah, everybody needs to, you know, if that is, that is awake, needs to, you know, um, support the cause of freedom, whether it's in, in, in voting for the, you know, freedom parties, whether it's, you know, supporting people who are prepared to speak out in whatever shape or form that can be. I know everybody's got individual circumstances and that's, uh, that, you know, may influence them to a point they've got to keep themselves afloat in, in all this. Um, right. Uh, all right. It's a war zone. It's a war yeah. zone. It's a global war zone for, uh, for it's, you know, it, the, the way I've looked at this at my age, it's not just about a war zone about medical freedom. It's a war zone about freedom itself. Absolutely. This, uh, it yeah. happens to be the health medical arena, but ultimately yeah. it's war zone for freedom. Yeah. So they've, they've, they've used this as the, the way to, 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 to commence their control, but it'll, it'll, it's going to extend to every aspect of our lives, I, I feel. Um, so, and uh, listen, there's obviously, you know, there's a, a group who is well, well awake. It's trying to awaken the other people who, uh, who, who want to persist in, I suppose, the... Uh, 
an alternate reality to what's going on. Um, they need to wake up, otherwise that they will find that their 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 world will be. Um, uh, they're next. Invaded. Yeah, they're next if they don't wake up. Duncan Sims, thank you. Okay, I I, I can't I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed speaking with you tonight. Um, and I, I want you to come back and fill us in on your journey as this goes forward, so that you know people understand that you did the right thing. All right. Well, thank you, Christine. I'm, uh, I'm glad I could uh, talk to you, and uh, thank you for everything that you're doing and uh, you know, standing up for, um, yeah, uh, for freedom and democracy. Um, yeah, that's yeah one of the. <laughs> yeah, I want basically. I'm, I'm. It's a yeah, basic. It's a basic to you know, yeah, the, the the chance for living the best possible life, uh, and this is um, a lot of what I'm doing is not specifically for me because I mean I even though I don't consider myself old, it's about uh, you know my children and you know their children and other people's children. I don't want them to end up becoming you know, uh, slaves or. Slaves within a system, or yeah, or, or not being here. It is about medical slavery. I came out very early talking about medical trafficking in, in the sense of human trafficking. I mean, the definition of human trafficking is if you take a human brain, you defraud them, you lie to them, you coerce them for profit. And it doesn't matter whether it's sex, labor, over the internet, on the street, organ trafficking, ritual abuse, torture. And this is medical trafficking. I came out very early about this. And I think that people just did not see this train wreck coming. They believed in the fear. But now that we're, there's too much information that's out there now. There's too much information in the United States now with the uh, court ordering Pfizer to dump their documents into the public domain. And every month they have to do it. And every month Pfizer has proven over and over again that they withheld information about the vascular, the neurological, the cardio. The cardio was uh, acknowledged in June of 2021 with the Johnson and Johnson or Janssen uh, vaccination here in the States. But I know because we at our network have interviewed Vax injured since January of 2021, clinical, yeah. non-clinical, that in fact there are neurological and vascular in injuries that the FDA, the NIH, the CDC, the NIAID that Fauci runs has not acknowledged that is now being exposed with the Pfizer document dumps in the court system in the United States. Yes, I know. I mean, it's and for every U.S. pharmaceutical company that distributes yep. these shots all over the world, every foreign government, every foreign global citizen should take a look at what is going on in our court system in the United States, just with the U.S. pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's daggering. What uh, these companies have been doing? It's uh, the yeah, the fraud and corruption is, is yeah, it's just mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah, it's it's deeply, deeply, Troubling. deeply. Yeah.
Troubling. Duncan, thank you so much. God bless. And we want to have you back. All right. Many thanks, Christine. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Okay. Bye.